0: He is worthy, he's worthy to be praised, worthy to be celebrated. I hope you were listening to what Mark said about not wanting to take God for granted because that is what we are going to be looking at this morning In the first chapter of the book of Malachi, will be verses six through fourteen. You probably didn't hear that but James did mention in the prayer time about Sue Lunsford that is Robin Parker's mother she's 84 years old had a 99% blockage and they did the surgery and uh, stents in and she's good and so that's just praise at that age and so Robin's wanting to praise God for that she's recognizing that Yes, medicine, we go to doctors and things like that. But ultimately, God brought her through that and she's praising him. So, thank you for that, Robin. We don't want to take you for granted. And we want to be about the business of praising God. Now, it's really quite an interesting introduction to this particular passage Because it's about honoring the Lord. Honoring the name of the Lord. And what you've just seen here, what you've heard, are people who are honoring God. And they're giving Him praise and glory. What was going on here in the book of Malachi? Remember, this is about worship. And we're going to see here that the prophet, through God, is bringing a charge against them for failing to honor the name of the Lord. So if you're there in Malachi chapter 1, beginning with verse 6, I invite and encourage you, if you're able and willing, to stand in the honor of the reading of the word. I will begin reading at verse 6, and we will read through the end of chapter 1. The prophet says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to the setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, What a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Father, we ask a blessing upon this reading of your word and God now, through your Holy Spirit. Apply these truths to our hearts that our worship might not be in vain, but that it would be a pleasing offering to you. We ask and pray it in Christ's name. Amen. We looked at God's choosing to love the people unworthy as they were last week as we entered the book of Malachi. And now we are looking at this second charge that the prophet brings to the people. And he's saying they have despised the name of the Lord. This first section here in verse 6, he talks about relationships that they would understand, that of natural fathers and children. a so son honors his earthly father, and they were familiar with the servant-master relationship as well. And they said, a servant has fear or reverence for his master. I said, you understand that, you do that, but where is your reverence for me? Where is your fear, your reverential awe to understand that I am God where is that so that's what God is saying he said where is my honor I'm I'm a father if I'm a master where's my fear and then you're going to hear from them when they say basically what are you talking about how have we despised your name they're at the end of verse 6. So the prophet then takes steps to reveal the seriousness of the charge. And he's going to prove it to him, And he's going to do it in three ways. And we see in the first part of verse 8a, he says, well, one way you do it is you offer blind animals and sacrifice. Now, we as 21st century Americans are... 2,000 years removed from any type of temple sacrifice. And so we're not too sure about all this. But remember who he's talking to. He's talking to Israelites. They were very familiar with the law of God. And they would have known this one. I want to actually read to you a section from the book of Malachi. And we don't know this, but they did. And this is what God told him. He said, If it is to be accepted for you, it shall be a male without blemish of the bulls or the sheep or the goats. You shall not offer anything that has a blemish, for it will not be acceptable to you. And when anyone offers a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord to fulfill a vow or as a free Free will offering from the herd or from the flock to be accepted, it must be perfect. There shall be no blemish in it. Animals blind or disabled or mutilated or having a discharge or an itch or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord or give them to the Lord as a food offering on the altar. That's Leviticus chapter 22, verses 19 through 22. They knew better. And then as they were getting ready to go into the land there when Moses in Deuteronomy gives a second reading of the law he actually says this in Deuteronomy 17.1 the Lord intensifies it when he says that if they were to offer a sacrifice that had a defect, a blemish said it was actually an abomination to the Lord your God. They knew better and that's what they were doing. And then, in the second part of verse 8, he says that you're despising God's name by showing a preference to the secular over the sacred. Now, remember, they were back in the land, but they were still a people under the rule of another nation. The Persians at the time were the power, and so there was a Persian governor in Jerusalem, living there. Nehemiah fulfilled that role for a period of time, but there were other Persian governors. And even Nehemiah was appointed by King Artaxerxes, the Persian king. So, what were they doing for him? Look at verse end of verse 8. Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show favor? Now, The prophet's using rhetorical language here. He he knows that they're not offering this stuff to the governor. They're giving him the good stuff. And they're giving the leftovers to God. So he's calling them out. What he's basically saying, y'all are hypocrites. You're treating your earthly governor better than you are treating me as your heavenly father. And it's sin. They were given their governor reverence that should have been going to God. And the third way, you see this in verse 11, it says, "My name will be great among the nations." It says that three times in this section about his name being feared among the nation. And basically what God's saying through the prophet is, How does this honor me before the nations when the word gets out that you're not even taking care of my house? You're despising my name by failing to honor me before the other peoples. Those are the three ways that the prophet is saying they were guilty of this. So the summary of the charges. They were in direct violation of the sacrificial requirements by offering polluted offerings. They were preferring the secular over the sacred, and they were failing to honor God before the watching world. That's the history lesson. What about us? Can these same charges be leveled against the church of Jesus in the 21st century? in America? Do we bring polluted offerings to the Lord? Do we favor the secular over the sacred? And do we fail to honor God's name to the lost world around us? Well, let's look at them one at a time. This first one, we can very easily say, We aren't living under the sacrificial system. We're living under grace. And that is true. Paul says that in Romans 6.14 that we're no longer to live under the law but we're living in grace. So can we be guilty of bringing polluted sacrifices to the Lord? The short answer is no. Not in the sense that it was applied to the Israelites. But what are we told? about how we're to live. Well, if you look at the book of Romans, that same book that Paul says in chapter 6, you're not under law, but you're under grace. Guess what he says in chapter 12, verse 1. You are to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act or service of worship. There's our worship. We're to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. I think, what does that mean? Well, what about a real sacrifice? When they brought whatever it was a lamb, a goat, a sheep and it was sacrificed, did they get it back? No, it's dead dead but we are living sacrifices but what does that mean that we are to die to ourselves and live to God that's Galatians two twenty, which is a great verse to memorize if you don't know that one I have been crucified with Christ I no longer live But the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you crucified with Christ? If you name the name of Jesus, if you've been regenerated, yes. But then you're to die to your way and to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. How often is that? Daily. Daily. See, we we don't have to bring animals because Jesus went into the Holy of Holies on our behalf. Hebrews tells us the blood of goats and animals won't, won't do it, won't cover sin. But he said that he himself, Jesus, went in there on our behalf and he offered himself one time that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. But in light of Jesus' sacrifice for us, what are we bringing to the Lord in terms of worship? Because think about we, we don't think about this, because we're, we're so far removed from it. But think about try to imagine that you have a bowl. And you're actually bringing it there to the temple. And you're actually having your hand on it as this thing is slaughtered in front of you. And the blood drained and it taken apart and part of it burned on the altar. And some of the blood uh, splashed on the altar that was a vivid, vivid, graphic reminder of the people of the cost of sin. That's what it was for. It was to remind them that God takes sin seriously. And they were to bring their best. Because he wouldn't, he didn't want, wouldn't take, wouldn't accept the blind or the mutilated. You get, you, you you got a cow that's got one leg. That's not the one you get to take to God. Not for it to count as to meet his approval. You're supposed to bring your best. Now, this, you know, the thing with missionaries, we just did this um, um, in gathering. And it, that was such a great sight to see all these people. Young, I especially like seeing young people come and, and give the family offering. That's great. But you know what? I've heard missionaries talk about getting things from people. Donations. And the idea is that, hey, this thing, whatever, this pair of shoes... Got a hole in them, uh, torn on the side. I'm not going to wear them anymore, so I'll give them to a missionary. And they've talked, I've heard uh, missionaries talk about what they've received in care packages. What a terrible, terrible way of thinking. Given to, if, you're not gonna, if it's not good enough for you, why are you giving it to God's service? Now, we're doing a food drive through the end of February for our food pantry, and the shelves are bare, and we need food. we got a bunch of people coming through there. What are you going to bring? You know what some of us will do? We'll go find something that we won't eat. We'll find something that's been sitting in our shelves for six months, eight months, and say, well, I ain't never going to eat this mess. Then why do you think somebody else wants it? Go Go to Walmart, go to Food Lion, buy some new stuff, and give it. If it doesn't cost us anything, then it's not honoring to God. Uh, David, King David, we're going through the life of David in the, on Sunday nights, just started that. But and we'll get to it eventually. But when he was going to buy the the, the land where the temple was gonna eventually be built, and he went to the guy that owned it. And and, and this guy, he's saying, hey, king, man, you take it, it's yours. And David says, no, I will pay full price. He says, no, really, it's yours. He says, I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. If it doesn't cost you anything, then it's not a worthy sacrifice. This isn't about earning salvation. We can't. It's about reverencing the name of God. Bringing your best. So, what does polluted worship look like or could look like in our life? Well, I jotted down a few. This isn't extensive by any means. But think about this we offer polluted worship by attending God's house only when we don't have anything better to do. We offer polluted worship when we come with a do I have to go to church today? Instead of wow, I have the privilege of attending worship today. This might apply to some of you that are here. We offer polluted worship by physically being here, but not paying a lick of attention to what's going on. We're not engaged, we're here. We offer polluted worship by consistently arriving late. We offer polluted worship when we go through the motions instead of engaging in genuine, authentic worship. We offer polluted worship when we come to church on the way to lunch. What's your big event? Is it this, or is this just a stop on the on the way to to wherever you're eating and? bless God, let's hope he doesn't keep us too long so we're not too far back in the line. We offer polluted worship when we come in here with a, well, I dare you to bless me. Had a bad day, but you know, hey, maybe something will. Those are just some of the ways. What do we do about it? Malachi was calling these people to repent, and we can do the same thing. We're supposed to have joy in our salvation. We're supposed to be excited about serving God. And if you're just if this is dull and boring and you'd rather be somewhere else and you can repent of that attitude. It doesn't have anything to do with me as a person, as the pastor. Okay? You're not here to, hopefully you're not here to hear me. Hopefully you're here to worship the Lord God and hear from him. Look to worship as a privilege, not an obligation. And then this is a huge, huge way. You say, well, you know, I show up and I don't really get anything out of this. What are you doing through the week? What are you doing to prepare your hearts for this time when we're gathered together? What are you doing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Are you doing private worship? Because if you're not worshiping God privately, you will not experience the fullness of what he wants to allow you to experience when you're here. We can do this. That's the first one. Do we honor the secular over the sacred? Now, I mean, you know, we've all got jobs. Jobs are good. We need those. Jobs have time things. Students have school classes like that. Not talking about that. We'll say if you've got a job that you're working 80 hours and it's causing you to neglect your family and it's preventing you from being in God's house, uh, then, then you might want to find another Form of employment. And whenever, you know, work, you're supposed to be a good employee. It's students, you're supposed to do the best of your ability, you're supposed to be on time, prepared, all that. That's great. Our pollutedness, if it exists, shows up not so much in those areas of the secular world. And secular is just the opposite of sacred. But really, that's a false division. Because it's all God's time. When you're at work, as a believer, you're to represent Christ there. You're not, quote, off the clock from God. You belong to him. And so there's no real division there. But what I'm talking about is the time we get to choose. Discretionary time, if you will. Well, where where does that show up? Well, the area that most likely highlights the modern Christian tendency to favor the secular over the sacred is that of recreation. Whether it's golf, softball, dirt bikes, camping, basketball, recreation has shown itself to be the God that a lot, and that's a small g, As Eddie said, that a lot of moderns worship. Now, in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But when we devote more time to that, whatever that is, we are guilty of offering polluted worship to our Lord God. And he is not pleased by it. And then we fail to honor God's name to the world. Remember, he said this three times in this passage about honoring God. Verse 11, "My name will be great among the nations." And we see in the New Testament this is going to be fulfilled in Philippians 2:10 through 11. This is the passage about the exaltation of Christ. I want to read it. It says, "But at the name of Jesus." Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's going to happen. That's going to happen with or without us. What difference does it make? It's a lot of difference. Yes, it's going to happen, but God would have us be a part of that. He would have us be instruments of his right now as we live out our lives, that we might honor his name to the world, to the nations, that there might be more people bowing the knee to Jesus while they still can, willingly. Everyone will bow, but for a lot, it's going to be too late. They will acknowledge even the the most evil pagan, the most wicked heathen, those that say they're atheists. They will one day acknowledge the greatness of Jesus. But for them, it will be too late. But we can... Be about the business of honoring Jesus now. How do we fail in that? I've already touched on it, but let me just be very clear. When we limit God to what He does in this room from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock, when we limit, say, that's it. We're failing to honor God's name before the nations. If this is the only time Jesus gets in your life and nothing is out there, you are despising that great name before the world. It's not just about here and Sunday. You know, our 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 world, our world system that we see in america make no mistake they are right now trying to limit what we do just to this room we don't need to help them and then one day when they get that far guess what they're not going to be happy with that they're going to keep coming and coming they want to shut down the voice of jesus in america that's what a lot of them want and you know, when it comes to that point when it, it becomes a crime and it becomes harder to come to worship, there's going to be some people think, wow, you know, I wish I'd been on the ball and, and been involved in worshiping God when, when it wouldn't cost me jail, when it wouldn't cost me my job. But Hey, we've got this privilege now. Are we availing ourselves we come to a close in this message Mark and musicians come I want us to imagine what it would be like if all of us gathered here and it is a good crowd this morning what if all of us who name the name of Jesus were to offer only pure worship can you imagine what it might happen in this community if we stop playing church And really became the church? I personally think it would be amazing. Ephesians 3.20 tells us that he is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. You think about it? Think about what God could do? Hey, he can do more. That's an amazing promise. It would be great. So, be honest with God. You could fool me, and that's not hard to do. But God already knows. But be honest with him. These people are saying, how have we despised your name? And then Malachi says, this is how. So the word, the spirit of God comes to us Are we guilty of despising his name? I don't know. I don't know your life. That's between you and God. But he knows the motivations of your heart. And if you've drifted, own it. Admit it. And then repent of it. And you can do that. Because God is a forgiving God. He wasn't telling those Israelites then just so he could zap them. He wanted them to return. He wanted them to come to him. He chose them, remember? He chose to set his love on them. And he wanted them to worship him in a way that was pleasing because he's worthy. Our tendency is to justify our actions rationally. Well, this is the why I don't come to church very often. This is why I do. The God sees through all that. You're not. You're not going to convince him. Be honest. Confession just means you're agreeing with God, and He already knows. So we don't need to rationalize. We need to repent. And then there's others. There may be some who who don't know Jesus in His fullness. Maybe you think you have. Maybe maybe you just don't know. Maybe you're learning about Christ. Maybe holy. The holy. His Holy Spirit is is. Speaking to your heart right now and convicting you. Wow, I, I, I'm guilty. I, I haven't offered God any worship. I'm not really in a relationship with God. Hey, Jesus made that possible. He paid the price. And you can't enter that relationship to, with God through Christ. Whatever your need, our God is able. But remember, he sees through Everything. It's not about coming up here and and putting on a show for anybody. Okay? God God knows our heart. And and I don't mean that in any way that some of the earlier we had people up here. I'm not saying that. was. Please don't misunderstand me. I thought that was great. I'm just saying God knows our hearts. And he wants us to be real with him. Father God, I, I do ask your blessing upon this service. Father, this is your word, and some of it's hard for us to hear. Some of it's hard for me to hear. I know sometimes just as a pastor, uh, I do things because I'm expected to do them as a pastor. and I might fool some of these people, but Lord, I don't fool you when my motivations are, are sinful. God, help me to offer you authentic worship. Help all of us here to be real and genuine with you. Lord, you desire so much more for us than we're experiencing. Just help us to be real. Help us to be in right relationship with you. And God, help us to show us the way, Lord. Give us a spirit that puts you first in all Parts of our lives that we might truly honor you. I ask and pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to ask you to please stand and turn to page 596. I surrender all.